the Baseball 365 Podcast, and here are your hosts, Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Welcome to episode 115 of the Baseball 365 Podcast. My name is Justin Hughes, and thank you for taking some time out of your week to spend with us today. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Baseball365Pod, myself at JustinHughes365, and at Andrew at AMCQ82. You can join our Facebook group, Baseball365, where over there we just crossed over 2,600 members talking about baseball every single day. There's all, all kinds of activity going on with everything going on in the game right now. A lot of trade talks and people asking for advice on trades, just injuries and everything else. It's all going on over there. And the best way you can support the show is to go to iTunes by taking a few moments to leave us a five-star rating writing a nice review for us. It's a good way to help us get our name out there, and we would be very appreciative. And as always, all of these plugs can be found in the show notes. On tonight's episode, Andrew and I are going to highlight hitters who came off, who were coming off of down seasons this last season in 2020, who's, who, which of them are rebounding and who's struggling. We're going to give our thoughts on what's going on with them in the early going. And after that, we have a few questions from Baseball 365 members that we will touch on. Let's get Andrew on. And Andrew, I got a question for you. I found a baseball trivia um, website, and I pulled from that the other day as I was making my question. Because, or And the other day, Albert Pujols stole a base. And he's got a streak of consecutive stolen bases. And... I want you to guess how many he has since his mo- how many consecutive or yeah how many consecutive s- successful stolen bases does he have since his most recent caught stealing? That's a pretty funny question. <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel like it probably has to be a high number since you're asking it. So I'm going to say like sixteen. You're really close. It's thirteen. 13. The last time he was caught stealing was September 19th, 2015. Six wow. years ago. The guy the guy running around on one. I was going to say it's not, it's not too many per year, so <laughs> I knew it had to be a while if it was that many. Being a Cardinal fan, that guy's always had really good base instincts. And when he's stolen bases, he's a, he almost always just steals it off the pitcher. It's never like – or. It's never one of those things to where he's just going, like he's go just going to steal the base. It's always paying attention to their patterns. And it's just not that. Uh, it's not that thirty grade speed. <laughs> Is it thirty? <laughs> I don't think it's thirty. I'm being generous. <laughs> so yeah, no, I remember the days where Pujols and Yachty back in St. Louis, both of those guys would steal fifteen to twenty bags, even though neither of them had much speed anymore. Oh, I guess I say any more. Pujols at least had a little bit in the early going. Yachty, no. Yeah. So anyway, uh, I thought it'd be fun to talk about some of these guys who had down seasons last year and just kind of see what they're doing in the early going. Some of them are doing well and some aren't. And the first one we're going to touch on is Gary Sanchez with the Yankees. Last year was absolutely brutal. Uh, 49 games, he had 178 plate appearances, a 147 batting average. Uh, actually, I'll just give you the triple slash here. 147, 
365, 618 with 10 home runs. Awful. And um, this year, uh, so far, 49 plate appearances when I made these notes. I think a day or uh, yesterday, I think, is when I put these notes together. Uh, he has a 214 batting average with a 381 slug and a 707 OPS with two home runs. So Sanchez has the upside to be the top catcher, even if he's hitting under 250. And he doesn't have to be a 280 hitter, but he also can't be a 150 hitter like he was last year, along with the subpar defense to hold that role. There's been talk that he has shortened his swing this offseason, and in the early going, his, he has cut his strikeout rate in half from 36% down to 18%. So, Andrew, do you have a strong feeling one way or another about Gary for twenty for the rest of this season? No, not really. I mean, I think he kind of is what he is at this point. Low batting average, a lot of power. Um, I think he'll, you know, I think he's going to play obviously or should play. I guess I shouldn't say obviously. I mean, there's always that chance that he starts to lose playing time if he's really, really struggling, but I don't really see that. I haven't changed my mind too much on him this year. Uh, I do have a couple shares of him, but it, that was more to do with kind of where he went in drafts and knowing the power ceiling. And I still think that exists. So uh, I don't feel like really strongly about it. It's not like I feel great about him, but yeah, I just, I kind of feel like we just know what he is at this point, you know, and any, um, you know, if he, God forbid, hits, 240 or 250 it could be really good so i don't expect that but yeah just kind of know what he or kind of feel like i know what he is i'm not fully convinced yet that he's going to hold that role all year i mean if he can keep doing what he's done here in this small sample he i I feel very confident he will he's just got to keep doing that if i think if he was to continue falling in the batting average and it was more in the lines of last year where he had the 147 batting average and more importantly uh, probably equally importantly that 253 on base I mean if he can hit close to 200 but have a OBP over 300 I think he's fine he just can't let it keep fall he he can't do what he did last year or even like I guess anywhere close to what last year was or I think that the Yankees could pull the plug at some point and go try acquiring somebody during the season but yeah it's possible. I mean, they always could acquire somebody. So, yeah. okay. Well, we'll move on to Jose Altuve, who unfortunately is currently on the COVID IL. Uh, last year was a rough season for him. Also, uh, forty-eight games. He had a slash line of two nineteen, three forty-four slug, and a six twenty-nine OPS, with five home runs and two steals. He looked lost until the playoffs, but he did seem to come alive around then and. In 20, 11 games here in the early going, he's on fire with a 318 batting average, 455 slug, 835 OPS with one home run and no steals yet. Are you pretty confident in Altuve that he's found his form here? Yeah, I mean, I it's kind of weird because he hasn't played in several days now, but um, I mean, it. I don't feel like I like I felt good about him coming into the year and he's played 11 games. He's been pretty good. Um, I don't feel like that's enough to drastically change your mind either way. You know, like if he was if he was slumping 
Um, I don't feel like I would think that much different of it because I felt good about him go- coming in. And it's it's still too early to me to drastically change how you felt on draft day, especially with somebody like this who I liked quite a bit. I mean, if it's somebody who I was maybe neutral on or something like that, a little different. But, yeah, I felt good about him. He's looked pretty good, but now he hasn't played in a little a little while. And um, But, yeah, I, I feel good about him returning value and um, finding his form, like you said. I mean, he's kind of done that a little bit, and hopefully when he comes off the COVID IL, he's uh, right back to what he was doing. I got a lot of Altuve shares, and – but in my head, I also wasn't ruling out that this year could be, I mean, maybe this was the beginning of a downturn, but it was discounted enough. I was willing to take the chance, and I grabbed him in a lot of leagues because the potential's there to be a third-round player. I mean, I think I said that his stat cast next to Ozzy Albee's really, or steamer projection, I should say, really weren't too far off of each other, and I believed that, that was he was capable of that. But I also wouldn't have, I I also wasn't in my head ruling out that maybe some slip was actually happening, and because he he did have his struggles the year before in the early going, he got going before he got going two years ago. So it is only eleven games. You're right there. I feel pretty good. Like I think I would have been more concerned with him having a rough start just because of last year, which I guess a lot of these guys, but Altuve especially since I invested a lot I my eyebrow would have been a little more raised if he had this struggle and who knows maybe he'll come back from the COVID IL and start struggling especially because when you get when you take time off you can like this or when you're away from the game you can get out of sync so you and I both yeah I feel I feel like I'm always um like I'm pretty patient with with stuff like this especially um when I just when I have a feeling about a player or I, I have a strong feeling, positive or negative, I just I feel like I'm always willing to give it time. And I think that's why baseball works so well for me because it's 162 games. Like yep. I've kind of always felt like in football, not to get on too far off course, but you have to make those decisions so much faster. And that's just not really um, how my mind works. I just I like the larger samples and you know kind of feeling good about what you're going to have at the end of the year when you're evaluating a player and um you know with with a lot of these guys now good or bad and regardless of how I felt about him coming into the year I don't feel like I change my mind like this quickly um it's just it's still really early so and you've invested a heavy price in him and even if he was struggling I think he got to be it, like a, some of these other guys, we may come across some that are struggling. And you got if you've invested in early price, you got to keep riding them out there. And I think I remember right. you actually talking about this last year when we were talking about our weaknesses as fantasy players. And I think that was what you said about yourself: is you stick with guys a little too long whenever they're like the 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 pedigree guys, the guys that you take early. Sometimes and you're too patient with them and stick with it. And that can be a good and a bad thing, but I think in more instances, it's a good thing. It just, yeah, sometimes. Yeah. Be. That's, that's how I feel too. I feel like, you know, you're, there's going to be times where it's not a good thing, but if it's the right 
you know, if it's a good thing more often than not, then you're doing it the right way or the process is right, I guess is the best way to put it. So I don't know. That's kind of how I feel about it. I just, um, I feel like when you have a, a feeling on a guy or an opinion on a guy going into the year, you don't want to get too far off course unless there's some real reason yes. for it. I mean, there's always exceptions, obviously. And especially the ones you draft early. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's move on to one that is on your team, Javi Baez. And last year he had 59 ga- in 59 games. He had a triple slash of 203, 360, 599. And in 16 game, the first 16 games this year, his slash line, he's hitting 200. Slugs improved at 433 and a 683 slash line. I think he has five home runs and five steals going into tonight. But he also has 31 strikeouts and one walk. I saw a great tweet uh, the other day that, like, basically showing that he, he's got a good race going on with Corbin Burns with the strikeout-to-walk ratio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, gives me a pretty that. good laugh. I think like Burns is something like thirty six and strikeouts and zero walks, and Burn and Javi's got the thirty one and one. <laughs> but um, you know, I said this offseason I could have seen this one going either direction with Javi. I could see him bouncing back as he was one of the players who said the lack of video affected him. But I'm also wary of hitters in their late 20s who don't take walks, who have a lot of incredible bat speed. And the comp I have continued throwing out there is Carlos Gomez, who had the nice run of being an elite hitter before the wheels came off quickly in his late 20s. Right now, you could say it's a mixed bag with the home runs and steals are nice. The batting average is terrible right now. But which direction do you feel more confident that his stock is going right now in terms of this year? Well, I feel like, um, you know, everybody, you know, everybody's going to say his stock is down, obviously. I mean, he's just not playing well and three more strikeouts tonight, actually, ironically. Um, but that said, I, I mean, I feel like that the opinions on him now are just so negative that, you know, like just for the positives, he's got, he's still got power. He still has speed and he's pretty much locked into playing time. Like I just, I don't, I don't really see a scenario at least this year where he's going to lose playing time. Um, he's actually the only guy player in baseball with five home runs and five steals, whatever you want to make of that at the moment. But um, I don't know. It's just like, I feel like everybody's down on him. Um uh, maybe a chance to buy low. You know, I still feel like he's going to be a productive fantasy player for the season. Um, and yeah, it's just, you know, he was kind of slipping coming into the year anyways. And, um, do I think he's going to be a batting average guy? No. I mean, he kind of is what he is, but I think that the countables will be there like runs and RBI and power and speed, you know, like kind of like a four category guy that, you know, you just wonder where the batting average ends up. But, you know, it's like one of those volatile profiles long term. I mean, you know, like if you told me in two or three years that he was just total garbage, I mean, it, it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, like that that you could definitely see it like headed that direction. But I also feel like 
there could be, you know, this year you could hit 25 to 30 home runs with something like 15 steals, you know, maybe a little more. I don't know. But that's a really productive player. You know, I mean, it's a valuable player. So just things to think about. I mean, it's like a guy that short term, I don't feel like you can completely dismiss, but long term, you know, if you want to get out or sell when he goes on a hot streak, I think he'll get on a hot streak at some point. Um, I, I don't blame you there either. So this guy's a free agent this offseason. It's an interesting case with him. Uh, the Cubs, uh, we were talking about this in our in one of our chat groups, and our buddy Derek Ambrose brought up that two right before the 2020 season, I guess the Cubs offered him a 160 million dollar contract extension. What do you think the odds were if Javi came to the Cubs right now and said, hey, I'm ready to sign that extension that the Cubs would be like, let's get you signed? I sure hope not. <laughs> sure hope they wouldn't do that. No, no. I, uh, I, the, I think the, the wheels are starting to come off. I do agree with you on the volume part. I think it's going to be there. I'm not, I don't know if I'm quite as confident as you, but I'm pretty confident that the bats are going to still be there. It'd have to continue being more this terrible and the counting stats just stop coming also with it but i think he's got enough yeah I like think- i can totally i can totally see a scenario where we're sitting here in september and we're still talking about how he's striking out a lot and not walking but he's got like home runs and steals and like it turns out to still be a pretty valuable fantasy season yes you know like i i that's kind of the scenario that i see with him this this year this year like Altuve you invested an early price you I mean I don't I wouldn't be out there trying to sell him I would not be I that said um maybe there's somebody that's actually still like seeing the five home runs and steals and they want to offer a player that's slightly lower and maybe maybe there's scenarios where you can move him because somebody's overlooking the batting average. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'd like to know. I'd like to hear some Javi Baez trades and see what people have been yeah. moving them for as of late. Yeah, I would too. That's that's be interesting to hear that because it's yeah. it's kind of uh, one of those where it could be just a lot of different a lot of different scenarios, you know. Uh, I got to repeat a Razzball tweet I saw today because um, Javi Paez was one of those guys that w- mentioned that the video, lack of video really affected him last year. And just to recap, none of the players last year could watch a video in the video rooms because of COVID. This year, they've got that figured out. I think they can watch it on iPads. I could be wrong on that part, but I know they can watch it somewhere in-game video. And Razzball tweeted, Javi Baez should try watching video of someone else. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I saw that. It's pretty funny. Oh, such a great one. Okay, we're going to move on to Glaber Torres with the Yankees now. Uh, last year, 42 games, he had his triple slash of 243, 368, 724 with three home runs. He finished strong and flashed well in the playoffs, but there were some people concerned about that down that down season last year and this year it's actually gone gotten it's been worse in the early going we got in the first 15 games he has a triple slash of 182 with a 218 slug and a 515 OPS with zero home runs 
Uh, should owners start getting concerned here? What level of panic would you be at right now with him? One to ten, basically. One to ten on panic. Um, probably for me, it's like a four. That's higher than I would have guessed. Um, but I think that for most people, it's probably like a seven. Yeah, I, I don't feel like like this is just another classic example, you know, like I'm willing to give Glaber Torres quite a bit of rope um, if he's still scuffling like this in June or July, then, you know, that's rough. But I don't know. It's still it's just still so early. He's still walking. Um and, you know, I, I don't know. I just I feel like it's going to turn around for him. I'm not that worried. But, yeah, it's something to definitely keep an eye on. I mean, he has been pretty bad. I noticed he had a couple of hits tonight, I think an RBI or two. But, uh, yeah, that whole Yankees offense has been pretty rough. That is something that, like, the majority of that team right now is struggling. Uh, to quote our um, good friend Eric Cross with Fan Tracks, blue balls are not a good thing, and if you go to his baseball savant page, you see a whole lot of them right now. But on that same note, like you said, he's taken walks really well. I mean, this year and last year both. He's in the double digits in walk percentage, and the strikeouts aren't out of they're, – they're not crazy. And yeah, they're up a little bit, but they're not crazy. And it's, no. Still a small enough sample that that could or that could normalize a little bit. Swinging strike rate's actually down, so yeah, I don't know. I I need to see like probably like another month of it, and then you know it's tough. Like if you have him, I mean, I don't know if you sit him. It, it depends on your options, I guess. But um, he's definitely kind of in a rut. You just hope he comes out of it but i feel like i'm not gonna be like full-on panicked with him for a little while longer yeah you'd have to have really fallen into some pretty good picks in this draft and in a draft to be thinking about sitting these guys like glaber i mean it'd have to have gone really right in your drafts for you to be thinking about it i'm trying to pull up short stops right now to well i mean i don't think it's i don't always think it's a bad thing if you do it for like a weekend and if you have another guy that's hot and coupled with him being ice cold i don't i don't hate that idea but um you know it's obviously case case by case it depends on the league and depends on how long of a you know if it's a full week then i it's a little tougher it just depends but you could i mean there are scenarios like I'm looking at the top performing shortstops so far, and maybe you got Jazz Chisholm on your team, and yeah, you're playing Jazz Chisholm over him right now, aren't you? I actually, I actually have, I think I have a team where I have both of those two. Yeah. Yeah. Probably I think. playing both of them right now, I would imagine, especially because Jazz yeah. is second base. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they're both on this roster. Can't remember, but yeah, it's. In, I mean, it's an interesting thing to think about you know it's like the red hot guy versus the guy that's struggling i mean if it's only a daily lineup or a like a weekend where it's like a split week um i don't hate sitting those guys that are ice cold but it just depends on your alternatives too one guy who's definitely not ice cold is jd mark go ahead 
real quick, I definitely wouldn't drop those guys. Like, oh, heck no. I know there's not um, – I know it may sound funny to some people, but, you know, we see these random questions pop up sometimes and, like, don't drop these <laughs> star players that have had a bad three weeks. Like, just don't do it. I mean, if you want to sit them, that's okay. I, I can understand sitting them in the right situation, but just don't drop them. I think that we saw a screenshot of another Facebook group, baseball group, where somebody asked the question, "Should I in my dynasty league, should I tro- drop J- Glaber Torres for Ty France? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, and stuff like don't that. Don't do that. I mean, just, yeah, don't do that. Just, just wait it out. I mean, the hot streak will come. And if you want off then, you know, just trade him when he heats up. But Yes. Yeah. All right, so back to J.D. Martinez. Last year, 54 games, he had a triple slash of 213, 389, 680 with seven home runs. And he's almost matched the home runs already in 16 games this year. Uh, Six home runs with a triple slash of 375, 766 slug, and a 1.194 OPS. Uh, J.D. was another guy who reportedly was affected by the lack of video and I, I say reportedly, that's what, coming from him. And he's exploded into this season. Uh, could we be seeing the return of the 2017-2018 MVP candidate here in JD? Man, I hope so. I've got um, I've got him on a few teams. He's carrying my offense in uh, in the main event. So, yeah, several several shares of him. Um, I felt good about him coming into the year, and obviously he's been great. I don't, I mean, MVP, I don't know if that's probably pushing it, but I'm not really sh- surprised. I remember, I think I mentioned it previously, but just watching him last year, and Boston was just so bad. He seemed so checked out, like just somebody that was like, oh, just just get me out of here. Like this is this shortened season, and we're terrible, and like I have no interest in this. Like that's how he looked to me last year a lot of the time. And um, this year, I mean, I, I don't really think Boston's good, but they're playing pretty good right now. Seems motivated. And, yeah, he's playing awesome. I mean, hope it keeps up. I don't think it will quite to this extent, but I I expect him to be a lot better than he was last year, yeah. When you go to a StatCast page and you're looking at the, all those balls right there, they like last year is definitely the anomaly compared to like 21 2021 and 2019 look very similar the skills seem to have rebounded and I was buying into pretty much all these guys who were saying video uh, I should say I was buying into a lot of them where they were saying video affected them I, I definitely was keeping an open mind with these guys that the lack of it could have messed with them and JD Martinez I think is the poster child of this I mean he is just crushing the ball right now and I I got some shares so I'm hoping so too He's, I he's made it. I'm I'm bought in that he's back. Yeah, he's been he's been really good. I think he even had a couple games in the outfield already too. So yep, feeling some, good. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully he keeps it up. Yes. Next up is Austin Meadows. He uh, in 36 games last year had a 205, 371, 667 slash with four home runs and two steals, and he was starting to get platoon four by the end of last year. I know it was a short season, but his struggles were definitely leading to him losing playing time. And in 17 games, so about half of what he played last year, he's got a 226 average, but the 
rest of the slash, 484 slug, 848 with four home runs and zero steals. So he's definitely hitting for more power in the early going. Meadows had COVID last year, and I think that's something a lot of people forget. And I think that contributed to his struggles as he got as and thought that he could have a nice rebound. And I still didn't get any shares as there was a lot of risk, I, we, as we talked about in the preseason, that if he continued struggling, he could get platooned. But he's definitely driving the ball better. How do you feel about Meadows for this year and going forward after this start? Uh, pretty good. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. I probably dismissed him a little too much coming into the year. Um, I don't know. I just wasn't really feeling it, but he's looked pretty good. Um, and his walk rates up, I think he has, yeah, last year he had 17 walks in 36 games and this year he has 14 and 18 games. So half the games. And almost as many, yeah. So, yeah, he's been good. I mean, 159 WRC+, plus, 390 OBP. Uh, yeah, I mean, I definitely, if we were drafting today, I would be a lot more likely to look at him. And I think he would go, you know, higher than he was going in those drafts before the season. So Completely yeah, I agree. Think, I think you got to feel pretty good about him. Again, StatCast looks very similar. Strikeout rate after it was up to 33% last year. It's down to 23%, which it was 22 in 2019. Driving the ball all spring and into the big leagues. So that, you know, it's been a continuation there. And with that 246 batting average, I mean, that's coming with a 279 BABIP. And he's hitting the ball hard. I mean, his expected BAs in the 66th percentile, I'm trying to see, what is it? His expected batting average on is 263 this year. So I think that'll keep coming up, that batting average. will get up in the 260, 270 range. So, yeah. He's only got, he's only got um, 17 plate appearances against lefties. Have they been... Yeah, that seems low, doesn't it? Yeah, I don't think he sat too many games, but maybe they've maybe they've he sat has him one, a little bit. He has one hit. It was a home run oh, against gee. the left against the lefty this year. I always I just mentioned that because that's I've kind of I've kind of thought uh, going into this year, and I think that it's part of the reason I was off of him is just like wondering if they could platoon him. Mm-hmm. And obviously he'd be the right side of the platoon because he's a lefty, but uh, you don't want that for a guy that you're drafting as high as you draft him. So um, I just felt like there was a little bit of risk of that, but and and maybe there still is, you know. But um, I don't know, just something to keep an eye on. I think with him because cool. a lot a lot because it's the Rays, you know. It's just if you if he falls into a large sample of not hitting lefties. I don't know. Just could be a little hairy there. They must be playing him. I just pulled up Mike Brousseau, who's the lefty masher who's always in there every time they face a lefty, and he only has 15 at-bats so far versus left-handers. So I don't think they've – they must not be sitting him much. Maybe maybe they're just not facing lefties. (laughs) Exactly. That's why I pulled up Brousseau. I'm like, maybe they have – I mean, it's a small sample. They may not have faced many yet, and that seems to be the case. Yeah, potentially. Because they are not sitting Mike Purcell versus a left-hander ever unless, I mean, he'd have to be on one leg, basically. I th- they they still might trot him out there. 
with how he is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Remember that huge home run he hit off Chapman last year? In yeah. The playoffs? Yeah. Yeah. He's, yep. he can hit him. All right. Last guy. We got Victor Robles. 2020, he uh, 52 games, had a 220 batting average, 315 on, on ba- or slug, and a 608 slash with three home runs and only four steals, which I say only because he put on some weight and he definitely slowed down. Um, he put that weight on between spring training one and the second one in June, and he looked like a mess. And this spring, he looked like he had lost that weight when he showed up to camp. And he looked to have the leadoff role secured going into the season after a pretty strong spring, but he now has a 213, 255, 606 triple slash with no home runs and only one steal in 15 games. And to make matters worse, the Nats have already moved him back to the bottom of the order. He went to nine for a bit. Now I've been seeing him hitting eighth. On a scale of one to 10, what's your level of panic with Robles at this point? Um, I mean, I think it's probably like a middle of the road, like I may, maybe like a five. I mean, I think a lot of it is, you know, I, I factor in how I felt before the season and I mean, I'm not surprised that he isn't getting on base. I mean, it just doesn't surprise me, you know, like this is kind of what I've always felt with him. It's like, you know, the dream with Victor Robles is he's leading off. He's stealing a ton of bases and, you know, like power, speed, all that just goes crazy. And I still think that that could happen, but, you know, there's this other side of it where it's like the guy isn't that he's not a good hitter right now, at least. I mean, I'm not saying he can't ever be. He's young. He's talented. Like it can get there, but he isn't right now. Um, He's never been, you know, any kind of on base guy where they're going to want to hit him consistently at the top. So if he's struggling at all, I mean, the natural reaction is just to throw him at the bottom of the lineup, which I've kind of felt like is where he should be at this stage of his career. Anyways, um, he is walking some, so that's good. I mean, his walk rate's actually pretty good so far, but he just isn't really a good hitter. I'm just not that like surprised by it. So like panic I guess if I had this high expectation, you know, maybe that number would be a little bit different. I'm just not really that surprised by some of what I've seen with him. So, yeah, obviously the one steal in 15 games, that kind of sucks. I mean, that's kind of what you drafted him for. But I feel like it's one of those things that if you drafted Victor Robles, you kind of just have to ride him out. Like, basically like the other guys we've said, you know. You don't really want to have him sitting when he – you know, steals four bases in two games or something like that. And he can still do that. It's just a matter of getting on. Two years ago, he had a sprint speed in the 100th percentile. And last year, it was in the 78th percentile. I was just floored when I pulled this up. And I don't know how accurate this stuff is early in the season, but his speed, sprint speed right now is in the 44th percentile, according to yeah. Baseball Savant. I was going to say, I wonder I wonder how long that takes to normalize, but it may already be. I, I don't know for sure on that, but yeah, that is kind of alarming. That just shocked me when I pulled that up. I, 
you know, Robles is did one the of those... uh, did the fourteenth percentile barrel rate shock you? Cause it didn't shock me. <laughs> <laughs> no, nothing else. Actually, the the walk surprised me. Looking at yeah. this, but nothing else. Yeah, um, yeah. You know. I have had a share of him for two years in our Rotomasters 2 Dynasty League. And since I'm trying to compete this year in the offseason, I moved him in a deal with a couple pieces to get Starlin Marte, the older player. And I got to say, whenever the spring, strong spring was happening and it looked like he was starting the year in the leadoff role, I thought, man, I might end up regretting this trade because, and I, it'll, it could still hurt pretty bad in two years whenever Marte I, I mean I think he's on a limited window here but on concerning Robles I think him and where he hits in the lineup matters more for him than it does just about anybody else in baseball because when you put a guy like that in the eight hole I I mean for starters the pitcher's right behind you so you're even going to be less likely to run because of that and when you're getting on to where yeah it's kind of it's kind of like buxton previously like previous years with buxton i mean and the thing is is i never you know like when robles was had the leadoff role or you know they say he's the leadoff guy or whatever i always was kind of like yeah for now you know it's (laughs) it's but it's one of those things it's like we've seen this like do you really think that he's going to get on base enough to hold that. I mean, I'm not going to say it. Like I said, I'm not going to completely rule out, rule it out, but like this guy, isn't just all of a sudden this year or right away going to have this magical OBP. That's going to keep him churning at the top of the lineup. It's just, so you're going to take that under on that 350 OBP he's got right now. Probably, yeah, unless he can sustain the walk rate like over the course of a year, which I just don't really I don't really see that, but no, you take his three uh previous years walk rates combined, and they are higher than what it is this year, but it's not by much, yeah, so he's oh you said three fifty you said three fifty, yeah, I would definitely under that I was yes. thinking three fifteen yeah no. yeah, it's just it's just tough, you know, I mean, like when you're so-called leadoff guy or whatever i mean you're you're only that until you slump enough to where they're like okay we can't do this and that's kind of just the type of player that he is right now i like i said i think he's really talented i still think that in a couple years you might you know maybe he's figuring it out like kind of like buxton is now and i i only say those two because they they kind of always reminded me of each other a little bit you know like good defensive center fielder power and speed, exciting prospect. I mean, Buxton more so than Robles on that, but Robles was still a really exciting prospect. I mean, they get there, they struggle. Like, it all kind of flows together with those two guys, and Buxton seems to be figuring it out right now at least. Sure so, is. You know, maybe, maybe Robles does at some point, but I just feel like right now he's just not a good hitter, and um, short term at least – I don't know. It just might be a little bit bumpy. I still expect steals, though. I mean, I still think he'll get steals. You just hope that they're in your lineup, I guess, and you're not sitting in when he gets them. So, You know, the one big difference when you look at Buxton and what he was doing back in the back a few years ago is the exit velocity was always there for that guy. He didn't yeah. have a hard hit rate. That was great. But his max exit velocity and some of those things were, they were just better than what we see out of Robles. But yeah. you know, that but that said, 
Robles seems to have ma- makes better contact. I should say makes more contact, not quality contact. I mean, but good lord, what Victor or Byron Buxton's year he's having so far and everything, yeah. man, it's, it's crazy, isn't it? Just stay healthy. I, just stay I actually healthy. keep. I keep. Um, I've got him on a couple teams, and I just I keep thinking in my head like, man, how long can he keep doing this? Mm-hmm. Like you know, it's just. He's just stay it's healthy. Crazy, just it's crazy. Yeah, that's the thing with him. So, all right, let's take a quick break, and then we're gonna move on. We got a couple listener, or we got some listener questions we're gonna cover before we get out of here. All right, well, Nathan Winfield asks two questions, and before I move into this, Nathan's a longtime friend of mine, and little did you know, he or little fact that I don't know if I've shared with many people, he was actually the best man in my wedding 12 years ago. Been friends with him for a long time. But he asked who we like as Kansas City's closer going forward, and Andrew, you and I did touch on this last episode, but we are seeing a little more clarity. I, I'm feeling even more confident that I think Greg Holland's going to get this role and while some other guys may steal some saves here and there, I'm feeling more and more confident that he's going to get the majority of them going forward. What about, what do you think? Yeah, I think I would still uh, still pick him. Although he had a rough outing his last time out, I know that. I think Did it he? was Mon. I think it was Monday. Yeah, he got he got beat up pretty good Monday. Three earned. So. I completely missed that. Yeah, it wasn't a it was it wasn't a safe situation. They were like down and just getting him some work. Of course, that's when they always blow up, right? But um yeah, I don't know. It's still weird. Like I I feel like it just hasn't been locked in yet. I would still hold those guys kind of like I said before if you have them. And I'd still probably bet on Holland, but not real confident. Uh his second question, how does Taylor Trammell's performance complicate Kelnick and Julio Rodriguez call-ups? Uh, will we see them soon? And the same thing with Kirilov, not much happening in the outfield for the Twins. So when do we expect him to get regular bats? Now, Kirilov got that one game when he was the 27th man, but uh, what are your thought on, thoughts on these guys? Uh, Kelnick specifically, but Kirilov too. I think Kelnick will be up. Probably um, like in the next three to four weeks, maybe. I mean, it's kind of hard to say. I don't really think that Trammell's performance impacts anything. First of all, he's not playing that great. Um, And I just think that Kellenic and Julio are the level of prospect that all that's really going to matter is just when Seattle wants to do it and when they feel they're ready. It's not like what the other guys are doing too much. Um, so, yeah, I think that they'll be up – well, not Julio, but Kellenick will be up probably, if I had to guess, like the first half of May. I think it'll be pretty soon. Yeah, both guys have avenues there, and I like. I, I'm glad you said that about Trammell because yeah, he's definitely not blocking uh, Kelnick at this point. It, you know, I feel like he would have 
have to be on absolute fire to be even possibly blocking him, you know, and I don't even really think he would be then, but that's what it would take. I feel like so. Yeah, it's just kind of one of those things. Unless either one of those guys are struggling at the alt site, which I really don't expect, I firmly believe that this is one of those deals. We're past the the deadline where they get that set seventh year of team control, but I think teams are just trying not to put them up, bring these guys up right afterwards just because they don't want to seem like it's so obvious that right. they put themselves at risk of a grievance. So it could be any day for e- either of those guys. Wouldn't I mean, I wouldn't e- even blink tomorrow if they were both called up. It's just a, yeah. It's just you're a saying you're saying Kellenic and Kirilov, right? Correct. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Julio Rodriguez. I mean, I wouldn't rule out him getting called up this year, but he's gonna. Ha- I think he'll have to force their hand. I probably I more yeah. likely they're gonna wait till this point next year. Okay, uh, Dan Danny Wright. What is Zach Plezak's value in a dynasty league? Rest of season and long term outlook. I'll let you start with that one. It's kind of been a bumpy road so far for him coming off of the great season last year yeah yeah a little bit of a bump bumpy road um swinging strike rates down from 14 to like 11 percent i think it was um and yeah he just i mean he really just had the big the big blow up against the white Sox in uh in chicago so you know it's I wouldn't be too concerned yet. I mean, it's such a short, you know, it's four starts. And I want to say that the first start or two, yeah, the first couple starts were good. Um, <laughs> they were both against Detroit, so maybe that's why. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I wouldn't, like, ch- drastically change my opinion of Police Act too much from whatever whatever you thought going into the year. I would kind of just leave it at that, and um, I still think he'll be pretty good the rest of the year. Yeah, this is a guy to buy. If there's somebody in your league that's panicking about what's going on, this is a guy to go buy. I mean, he's basically had two starts, two good starts against Detroit and two bad starts against the White Sox. That's his four starts. Yep. So He's not as good as he was last year. He's a mid-to-high three ERA pitcher who's going to have very few walks, and I think he's better than the 6.7 strikeouts per nine he's shown so far. I think it should be higher than that. We'll see how high. But he's a good pitcher. He's probably not an ace, but I think he's a fine 2-3 guy. Probably, I'd probably feel more comfortable with him as a 3. But, yeah, he's doing well. Or I should, not doing well, but I think he should do well going forward. I think of him kind of like I think of uh, like Sonny Gray. Yeah. Like something like that. I mean, Kyle just Hendricks. as far as. Yeah, maybe, but I think probably more K's and more walks. Um, not many more walks, I guess. Yeah, maybe somebody like something like that, you know, and it's a little more unknown, a little more volatility because those guys have been doing it longer, but yes. I kind of feel like he's going to be um, comparable to like a Sonny Gray when he gets to be, you know, he's 26 now. Sonny Gray's like 31. Mm-hmm. I think that, that I could see his next few years kind of going like that, you know, a little bit of up and down, but a pretty good pitcher, you know, not great, but good. 
John Dean asked an interesting question. Do we think Keston Hira could be sent down when walked, walk, Colton Wong's activated from the injured list? And Wong's expected to return tomorrow. Dan Vogelbach and Shaw can both play, can play first base, third base, and uh, Robertson as a utility, Tyrone Taylor as a fourth outfielder. For Hira, maybe a month at the alt site or the minors could help him find a swing. And I saved Hira for this question. You know, he would have fit in our main topic today coming off of bad players coming off of struggling uh, 2020s. And going into last year, Hira was a borderline top 30 asset coming off a 300 batting average season with 19 home runs and nine steals in only 84 games. But last year was a disaster. He hit 212 with a 297 on base. Power was still there with 13 home runs, but he struck out in 34% of his at-bats, and his walk rate fell to 6.5%. And so far this year, it's gotten be- it, it's not gotten better. It's gotten worse. 118, 216, 466 slash line with one home run and steal in 15 games. I think Andrew, Andrew, I think John might be onto something here. Maybe Hira does need to go back to the minors and work on a swing for a bit, and maybe something can get fixed there. What do you think? Yeah, you talk about a guy that's been bad. I mean, he's been bad. I th- I think yeah, he's been really bad. <laughs> I think that it's you know, if I was changing my mind about anybody right now, man, it he might be the one. I don't know. It's it's been really rough. Everything's bad. Even the underlying metrics are bad. Um you know, the options there aren't great, but if they want him to fix it, they're going to want him to fix it and that might require him going down. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be that surprised. It's it's not like he's this great defender or anything where he's bringing them value that way. Um sometimes that can save a guy. So I always think about that too, but he's not really helping him there. And yeah, I I feel like I still think that he's a good hitter when he's right, but he's just not right right now. So maybe it is time for that. I could definitely see it, but I don't know if it's a lock either. You know, we'll kind of have to kind of wait and see type thing. It wouldn't shock me though if we if we saw it. You know, Keston Hero was one of those guys that coming out of the draft, I've, I I remember saying all this this offseason, but he had one of those level swings and seemed like a good bet to be like a 15-15 guy with a good batting average. And in his last year in the minors, something changed. He, he, he started hitting for more pop, but the strikeouts started jumping up. And they were there in that breakout year last year. I think it was close to 30% without looking it up, but... Last year, the the thing that the book on him, when you look at his pages and see where he was getting pitched and getting out, was the upper part of the zone. He was missing everything. And I pulled it open just now to see what his um, hot zones look like. His whiff percentage on pitches up in the zone right now is 75%. That's in the zone, the top of the zone. He's a 75% whiff percentage. So that it's still the same thing. And I remember saying that the question is, will he adjust? And here in the early going, it's more of the same. That's not a good sign. Yeah. Yeah, definitely not. It'll, it'll be interesting to see what they do. Cause I feel like it could kind of go either way and maybe they do need to send him down. I think they do. I think if I was the 
Brewers. I mean, they are a team that's trying to win now, and I think that getting him right, I mean, he's got the potential to be a star, and I think he really could use some time just working on the swing and getting right. Be interesting to see what happens tomorrow. Yeah. All right. Anybody else you want to talk about? Anything else going on in the game that really stands out to you? I'm kind of throwing this to you off without any warning, but anybody else you wanted to mention here? Um, I could probably spend the next 30 minutes ranting about Tony LaRusa. Let's do that. But uh, <laughs> I won't do that. Man, what was his most recent thing that he did this week that we were just beating on him for? I, I'm trying to remember. I mean, there's so there's the list is long for thing gaffes he's making right now. What was it the other day? Oh man, I I feel like I'm losing count. I don't even know. We but, had we had the Nick Williams start, but I think that happened whenever before we recorded last, um, and we were talking about that last episode. But man. Yeah, that guy, I, it, you know, I it's said, just un, it's just a, more it's we're just at the point. It's almost it's like it's unbelievable. I, I don't even. It's just nuts. Yeah, a- Andrew Vaughn is playing a little more at least right now, isn't he? A little bit. It's still not. It's still not right. But we don't have to make it all about Vaughn. I mean, it's just a lot about. Russa in general, too, yeah. It's just weird. Weird weird use of a bullpen, which, I I mean, none of this surprises me. I mean, I, th- I think a lot of people were surprised about how, talking to me in the last couple of years about how much I disliked Tony La Russa as a manager and maybe thought that my cardinal bias was getting in the way here. But I think my feelings about him are being shown a little <laughs> more right now to the things he's doing right now are the things that drove me nuts about him with the use of the bullpen and um, butchering young up up and coming players. I, yeah, I, I just, I'm not surprised, but disappointed and feel bad for the white Sox fans right now, which I, they're still doing all right right now. Winning, aren't they? What's their uh, they're, they're right around 500, I think. Okay. So that's all right. In the early going, they yeah. are. Yeah. They're nine and nine. Yeah. On a positive note, Vlad Jr. is awesome. Ooh, that it's Vlad Jr. and Buxton season going on right now. And Jazz Chisholm too. Yeah, yeah, those yeah. guys are. That's the one yep. that really surprises me. I did not expect this out of Jazz. I just didn't in this early going. I didn't expect him to come up and be hitting. But man, he's he had a real strong finish to the spring, and it's carried over into the season. Yeah, um, yeah, definitely fun player. I didn't even tell you about a dynasty trade in my league today. Somebody was who's trying to compete in my other dynasty traded Jazz Chisholm away. I'm going to see if I can get up to that quick enough. Oh, I can't wait to hear this. He uh, he gave up Jazz Chisholm, Brady Singer, Garrett Mitchell, and Mick Abel, and he got Aaron Bracho Bracco Bracho, however you say it, Jonathan VR. And he got Cody Bellinger. So who did who did he um, who did he give up again? Jazz, Jazz, Abel, Singer, Garrett Mitchell. He got Cody Bellinger. Huh. Wow, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. 
I don't know. Like I don't I don't I don't think that's as crazy as like some people might, but I think it's, it's crazy. It's definitely it's definitely um just goes to show you what three weeks can do, you know, time I mean it's just Yeah. Yeah, and that's I, interesting. I think it's crazy right I now, think, but I, jazz see, keeps I, us up. Yeah, I think Jazz is like I would buy high on Jazz personally. Yeah, like I think he can be a stud. Yeah, so that's part of it. But um, because, well, put it this way, like I think that he's on like this upward tra- trajectory, and the the natural thought is just just sell him because he's hot. But I don't know. I just I think he can maintain it, or at least you know, not at this level maybe, but. I think he can be productive, like power, speed, middle infield. I mean, you know how how high those guys can rise. So, yep. Yeah, it does. It's, yeah, I don't know. I'd have to think a little bit more about that. Is it OBP? Uh, yes, which does help him. Yeah, that help that helps uh, Bellinger too, though. So, yes, he he's yeah. kind of got the Javi Baez starter kit, except with the ability to take walks better. That's yeah. I would take I would take Bellinger, but it's um, I, I guess I'm just saying I don't think it's like as far off as probably some do. Yeah, well, it, that one will be fun to come back and look at in two years and see where yeah, those definitely. guys are at. So yeah, I only other thing I was going to mention, not really much going on in the big leagues, but I have spent my last week just about every single evening playing MLB the Show as the new game came out, and man, that's been a lot of fun. I know a lot of. I know a lot of guys in, in the group and um, a lot of other guys are really – or a lot of people are really into it. And I guess it's free for anybody who has the Xbox and plays online. I think you pay like a yearly subscription to play online. Any of those guys can play it free. One of these years, Andrew, we're going to get you one of these PlayStations or Xboxes and you're going to start playing this thing. <laughs> Just be prepared yeah, to I used, never sleep. I used to, uh, I used to but, man, I – feel like i don't have the time for it anymore oh you would i loved it i loved that game though like i'd say well yeah it's been it's been several years so it's addictive that's for sure and it's taking up all of my time all again and hopefully they get their servers working a little better because it has been going slow in the early going but the gameplay has been better than last year which that was the big complaint everybody had at the beginning of last year servers seemed good but the gameplay was rough now it's the other way around yeah, but they'll get that figured out. So, all right. Well, I got nothing else. You got anything else you want to say, say before we get out of here? No, I think I'm good. Okay. Well, thank you all for listening, and we'll be back again soon talking some more baseball. Take care, everybody. Yep, take care, guys. Thanks again for listening to the Baseball 365 podcast with Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Be sure to check the show notes for all the details on today's episode, along with quick links to Facebook and Twitter. If you have a question, a comment, or a suggestion, we would love to hear from you. You can find us at the Baseball 365 Facebook group or send an email to us, baseball365pod at gmail.com. And if you like the show, take a moment, rate us on iTunes. Once again, please join the Baseball 365 community on Facebook. That's where baseball lives 365 days a year. 